Hey listeners, my name is Sam and welcome to episode 24 of Creme de la Crime podcast. This week we're headed to the state of Mississippi and according to worldpopulationreview.com, Mississippi has 115 unsolved disappearances. It's important to keep in mind that this is based off of actual known reported cases. It is possible the real number is higher than that. So grab your wine and let's dive in to a little Mississippi true crime. The first story for this episode is about Jerry Lee Armstrong. Jerry Armstrong was born on August 1, 1960, to Mary Armstrong. I couldn't find any official records that stated his father's name. As far as I could find, he had four brothers named James, Johnny, Jimmy, and Warren Armstrong, and a sister named Mary Armstrong. If he had any other siblings, they were not mentioned on public record. At the time Jerry disappeared, he was 17 years old and a senior at Hernando High School in Mississippi. He had a steady girlfriend, was the head quarterback for his high school football team, and was also working at the local Coldwater gas station. It was 1977 at this time, so Jerry being chosen as the head quarterback in a Mississippi high school did not go over well with everyone. His brother Johnny stated, quote, A lot of the white guys didn't like it because Jerry was the quarterback for the team. They were a little jealous of him for that. End quote. On December 23, 1977, Jerry had dinner with his family and then picked up his girlfriend in his brother's white, two-door 1973 Pontiac Le Mans. The car belonged to his brother James and had a red and black racing stripe down the side with the Mississippi license plate number DAY485. The two then headed to a holiday dance at the National Guard Armory in Hernando, Mississippi. After attending the dance, Jerry drove his girlfriend home and dropped her off before heading home. This was the last time anyone would ever see Jerry or his brother's car. Before he had left that night, Jerry told his parents that he would be home around midnight. His brother Johnny was quoted saying, That night, Mama and Daddy got up at 12.30 looking for Jerry because Jerry said he was going to be home at 12 o'clock. Mama said, Something has happened to Jerry. The family looked for Jerry throughout the night. But when morning came and no one had heard from him, they went to the police to report him missing. Since the vehicle Jerry was driving could not be located, police initially thought that Jerry may have left town by choice, but the family has never believed that theory because Jerry said he was coming home that night. Also remember that this was two days before Christmas, and it was known by the family that Jerry had left the house with the trunk of the car full of the Christmas gifts he had bought for his family. It's also important for you to know that at the time Jerry disappeared, he was dating an African-American woman, but his brother James was dating a Caucasian woman. Remember that James is the brother whose car Jerry had borrowed for the night of the dance that has also never been recovered. There are two main theories surrounding Jerry's disappearance, the first being that he was murdered. 
Jerry's girlfriend lived in a neighborhood called Dark Corners, located at the intersection of Craft Road. This area is located about 10 miles from the location where the dance took place. Family members stated that they believe Jerry was mistaken for his brother James and possibly targeted for having a white girlfriend by members of the KKK that lived and operated in the area. Mississippi is known to be the birthplace of the White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan in 1964, which is also known as one of the most brutal Klan factions in the United States. The White Knights have confirmed connections to the murders of at least four civil rights activists in the 60s, as well as many more bombings and acts of domestic terrorism. Because this was 1977, dating a white woman would make Klan members very angry with James. His brother Johnny was later quoted saying, I think Jerry was killed out there on Craft Road, end quote. During this time period, it was known that the KKK would set up roadblocks or checkpoints. Johnny believes that Klan members may have set up roadblocks around that area and stopped Jerry thinking he was James after he had dropped off his girlfriend. And then there's the second theory, which also involves racial issues. Remember that Jerry was chosen as the head quarterback for his high school football team. There were quite a few white players on the team that were very unhappy they were passed over for this position. Some people theorize that white members of the football team, or possibly other members of the community that were upset, may have attacked Jerry and buried his body and the car in a nearby landfill. It was noted that even though Jerry was very athletic, he was on the smaller side for his age. If he were attacked, a group would have easily been able to overtake him. Jerry's family received death threats and eventually ended up going to the FBI after they received an anonymous phone call from someone who began the call with a disgusting racial slur, followed by, quote, You gon' tell them investigators to back off. You next. We gon' kill you. End quote. A current investigating officer received Jerry's case file decades later, only to discover that certain documents that were valuable to the investigation had completely gone missing. It's important to note that during this time period, many Klan members held highly respected positions in their communities, including positions in law enforcement. They also have a long history of destroying documents and covering up crimes in Mississippi. The Mississippi Bureau of Investigation has kept the case open for years, and KKK involvement has never been ruled out. Master Sergeant Peter Clinton was quoted saying, We are meeting with the FBI on it. One of the issues at the state and federal level is there's no body that has ever been found. There are a lot of documents in this case, and we continue to investigate. With the Christmas presents in the car, he appeared to have the intent to return. For him and the car to mysteriously disappear, something is wrong, end quote. He also confirmed the reports that local law enforcement in the area had intimidated witnesses in Jerry's case, but declined to elaborate any further or name the agency or officers who were said to have done the intimidating. In 2009, a set of remains was found on a riverbank in Poinsett County, Arkansas that matched Jerry's description and age. This location was about 80 miles from where he was last seen, but after further DNA testing, it was revealed these remains did not belong to Jerry. 
Johnny Armstrong stated in a later interview that he believes he knows who was involved in making Jerry disappear, but that him and his family have always been too afraid to come forward with the information. He's been in constant contact with the FBI over the decades and has been told to be patient by federal and state officials. Johnny has no doubt in his mind that his brother was murdered that night. Quote, I think Jerry was killed that night after he took his girlfriend home. They had plans to bury the car. They probably had the roads blocked off. They had everything plotted. They tried to say he ran away, but I'll never believe that. He had too much going for him, end quote. And then he went on to state, quote, It's wrong to kill a man just because of his skin color. It's wrong for a white man to kill a black man, just like it's wrong for a black man to kill a white man. Jerry's killer has blood on his hands in more ways than one. If Jerry was targeted to right some perceived social injustice, they killed the wrong man because Jerry's girlfriend was black, end quote. What makes this story even stranger is the sudden death of Jerry's brother James in February of 1984 in Tate County, Mississippi. Originally, investigators classified his death as a suicide and claimed James had shot himself in the chest. No one in the family believed this to be true. In fact, his younger brother Jimmy and his mom had spent the entire weekend with James before his death and stated he did not show any signs of suicide or that he was upset in any way. The coroner's report later came out and stated that James had in fact died from cardiac arrest, but investigators stated they had no evidence to suggest his death was anything other than a suicide. To this day, it's unknown if his death was related to Jerry's disappearance in any way. Jerry's disappearance affected the entire family, especially his mother who died at the age of 49 in the year 1987. Johnny stated, quote, Mommy died of a broken heart. Every day, you can see it in her eyes, she would say every day, Lord God, please send my child home. She always told me she wanted to live long enough to see the truth come out. So far, I've been trying to honor her wishes, end quote. Jerry's family members have called hundreds of people over the years trying to find answers. Johnny stated that he believes someone knows what happened to his brother that night, but they've been too afraid to come forward. Quote, they're waiting for some of these people to die out to keep from hurting some of these people's families. End quote. Jerry's brother Warren said the family just wants answers and to one day give Jerry a proper burial. Quote, it hurts. Take it from me. When you think you've gotten away with it, you have not. End quote. Jerry Armstrong was last seen on December 23, 1977, in Hernando, Mississippi, when he was 17 years old. He is an African American male with black hair and brown eyes. At the time of his disappearance, he was 5 foot 6 and weighed around 145 pounds. Jerry was last seen wearing a dark green suit, a yellow shirt, a green tie, and black shoes with stacked heels. He was driving his brother's white two-door 1973 Pontiac Le Mans with red and black racing stripes on the side and the Mississippi license plate number DAY485. The car has also never been found. Jerry has a scar over his left eye and his case is classified as endangered missing. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Jerry Armstrong, 
please contact the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation at 662-934-3029. The second story for this episode is about Angela Lee Freeman. Angela Freeman was born on January 16, 1976, to her mother, Deborah Freeman. There is no public information that I could find about her biological father, but it is known that Deborah was 17 years old when she gave birth to Angela. Even though her father was not involved in Angela's life, Deborah later told Dateline that her and Angela were a very close mother daughter duo. When Angela was three years old, Deborah married a man and went on to have a son named Nicholas. It was stated that Angela was fiercely protective of her younger brother and very close to her immediate family members in general. Nicholas later stated, quote, She was my big sister. She never let anybody mess with me. She let people know, you don't mess with my brother. End quote. Angela was independent and loved doing her own hair and makeup. The name of the man her mother married when she was three years old is unknown, but Deborah claimed later that he was abusive and they divorced only two years after getting married. Over a decade after her marriage ended, Deborah married a man named Bill Stewart and was still married to him when Angela disappeared. Angela started partying and sneaking out a lot when she started high school, and she ended up dropping out her sophomore year. She started working in the fast food industry and was also planning on getting her GED to eventually go on and become a nurse. Her mother stated, quote, Angela loved people and loved babies, end quote. Before she disappeared, Angela had recently gotten out of a long-term relationship before finding out she was pregnant shortly after. No sources have ever clarified if this man was the father of her unborn child because it was noted that Angela had briefly dated another man after the breakup. Angela decided she wanted to keep her baby, and it was stated that she told her mom she knew she was having a girl and planned to name her Christina Lynn. On Wednesday, September 8, 1993, Angela, her little brother Nicholas, and Deborah were at home, and Angela told Deborah she was going to stay at her friend Paula's for a few nights. Deborah later told Dateline that Angela and Paula were planning to look for an apartment and move in together. Quote, she said, I'm going to Paula's, and she left. When she got to the door, I said, be careful, and she said, I love y'all, and she walked out of the house. End quote. This was the last time Deborah would ever see her daughter. We know that Angela did make it to Paula's place, like she said, and stayed the night there. The next day, on Thursday, September 9th, Paula left to briefly visit a family member, and when she came home later that day, a note had been left for her by Angela. She said in the note that she was going to see her ex-boyfriend at the Pizza Hut where he worked and asked Paula to leave the front door chain undone so she could get in the apartment around midnight when she planned to come back. Pizza Hut employees later confirmed to authorities that Angela did come to the restaurant that night. She was last seen speaking to her ex-boyfriend outside of Pizza Hut on Central Avenue in Petal, Mississippi around 1 a.m. on the morning of September 10, 1993. Perry County Sheriff Mitch Nobles was quoted saying, We do know she left Pizza Hut in her vehicle. 
but she never showed back up to her apartment, end quote. Just five hours later, Angela's boss called her house to see if Angela was home after she didn't show up to her job for his 6 a.m. shift. Her brother Nicholas later told Dateline, quote, Angela had never, ever missed work, end quote. Knowing this was out of character, Deborah began calling Angela's friends to see if anyone had seen her, including her ex-boyfriend who had been seen with her at Pizza Hut around 1 a.m. He told Deborah he had not seen Angela that day and none of her friends had seen her either. Sources state that Angela's uncle lived nearby, and he ended up calling Deborah after he drove by and discovered Angela's silver 1984 Honda Accord hatchback abandoned at the old Moned Bridge located over the Leaf River in Perry County, Mississippi. The vehicle's windows were rolled down and her purse and keys were both missing. Deborah immediately called the police and met them at the car's location. Police initially thought Angela had run away, and her family feels that her disappearance was not taken as seriously as it should have been. Police asked Deborah if Angela had been partying or drinking recently, but Deborah insisted this was absolutely not the case because, quote, she was pregnant. She had the baby clothes, end quote. She went on to explain that Angela was taking her pregnancy very seriously and would never have done anything to jeopardize her baby's health. Detective Rusty Keyes from the University of Southern Mississippi's cold case unit said, quote, At the time, they didn't see any indicators of foul play, end quote. It was even stated that authorities allowed Deborah to take Angela's car home the same day it was discovered. When Angela didn't show up for work again the following day, her mom knew something was seriously wrong. Since she had already brought home Angela's car, she decided to examine it more closely and ended up finding dark spots splattered along the exterior of the vehicle. After contacting the police about this, they told her they believed it was transmission fluid but could possibly be blood. Unfortunately, because it was 1993, DNA testing was not available yet, so the Petal Police decided to go back to the area the car had originally been found and conduct another search. After further searching, blood was located in this vicinity, and this was enough to convince the police Angela had not run away, and they officially filed a missing persons report for her. Dogs were used during this search, and they were able to locate a napkin on the bridge with her makeup and scent on it. They also found one of her shoes in the nearby woods, and the second shoe was found behind a locked gate on a private road. Police searched the car even further and found blood inside and around the taillight as well as a bullet in the ashtray, but no gun was recovered at the scene. Divers searched Leaf River, but there was no sign of Angela anywhere and her missing purse and keys were never located. Angela disappeared in 1993, but police were not able to test the blood found at the scene until 1999, six years after she disappeared. When testing was finally able to be conducted, it was confirmed that all blood found at the scene belonged to Angela. Detective Keyes later told Dateline, quote, We have interviewed everybody in her life, end quote, and added that one of those people was the ex-boyfriend she had met up with that night. He has never been publicly labeled as a suspect or a person of interest in Angela's disappearance, and the father of her baby has remained a mystery to police and her family to this day. In 2001, 
Human remains were found along a road in Perry County that belonged to a woman between the ages of 20 to 35 years old. Further DNA testing proved it was not Angela, and this set of remains was still unidentified as of the year 2018. In 2002, Angela's family held a memorial service for her because they believed she was no longer alive. They placed a stone for her at the Greens Creek Church Cemetery in Petal, Mississippi that same year. In 2004, the Petal Police Chief announced they were reopening the investigation into Angela's disappearance, and in 2011, her family had billboards put up to raise awareness about her case. The most recent update about Angela's case came in September of 2021. Perry County Sheriff Mitch Nobles made a statement that the case was still open but had been handed over to the Mississippi's District Attorney's Office. Chief of Police Rusty Keyes was working as a patrol officer and said he still remembers the night they found Angela's car. During his time working on a cold case unit, he upgraded Angela's missing persons case to a murder case. Quote, We felt that we had enough evidence and investigation material to upgrade the case to a murder case. With all the technology we have today, you would hope you could find a person easier, but that's not always the case. When it involves foul play or a murder, it makes it even harder. End quote. In November of 2021, Police announced they had a suspect, but have never publicly named this person. The sheriff stated that his portion of the investigation was complete, and the district attorney said there wasn't enough evidence to move forward, so Angela's case is still sitting unsolved. Noble stated, quote, I don't want to give out the details of the case, but we know something transpired from there to the Moned Bridge where the vehicle was found. We do know initially when they found the vehicle, there was a puddle that they found that turned out to be transmission fluid. And then there was also blood that was found underneath the vehicle, right there close to the taillight, and they found blood inside the taillight. So we kind of took the case, and to be honest with you, we took it to the point where Rusty Keys put the whole case together along with Jamie Humphrey. We put it together based off of one suspect and we turned this case actually over to our district attorney's office, hoping that we can further that along and get an indictment on the person that we believe was involved in the case. We turned that case in at the end of my first term, close to maybe two years ago, right before the new district attorney took office, end quote. The district attorney stated that he doesn't believe the evidence is strong enough to only point to one person and wants a case that he's confident he can win. The investigation into Angela is considered closed, but police still urge anyone with any information to call the Perry County Sheriff's Office. Mitch Noble stated, quote, When you have a missing loved one and you want answers and you don't want answers tomorrow, you want today. You're not waiting, and now you have a family that's waited 28 years and hasn't gotten any yet, end quote. So now I want to go through some of the theories surrounding Angela's case. Just a reminder that Angela disappeared in 1993, and just two years later in 1995, 20-year-old Kenneth Moody and his two teenage cousins were arrested and charged for killing two people and hiding their bodies in his trailer. A third body was found after their arrest, and Kenneth was convicted in 2001 of two counts of capital murder and sentenced to two consecutive life terms without parole. It was known that even though these three victims were found in his home, 
They had been abducted near the Moned Bridge where Angela's car had been found two years earlier. People have speculated that these murders could have possibly been connected to Angela's disappearance, but there has never been any evidence to point to that being the case. The next theory is that a stranger abducted Angela. There was a man that Angela's family was suspicious of because he was seen washing his truck in Gulfport, which was only about an hour and a half drive from Moned Bridge. This man had reportedly been hunting near Moned Bridge earlier that day, but this man's identity has never been publicly released and he was never named as an official suspect. The next theory, and one that is always mentioned when a pregnant woman goes missing, is the possibility that the father of Angela's unborn child was involved. But remember, Angela never confirmed to her family who the father of her child was and it remains a mystery to this day. Angela's family does not believe she left on her own. They believe she was murdered. Before she disappeared, Angela had made a car payment, bought groceries, and also left behind a paycheck for over $200. So there was never any indication she had any plans of leaving. It was stated in an article that the family thinks they know who killed her, but they have never publicly released the name of this individual. Her mother and stepfather also stated that she would not have left the area without telling them where she was going. Detective Key stated, quote, The case continues. We have worked on several leads over the years. We hope we're going to get some resolution and some conclusion, end quote. Angela's brother Nicholas has written songs about her and also runs the Facebook page dedicated to her disappearance. Quote, in the back of my mind, I'm always wondering, where is Angela? My family just wants closure. We want to give her that proper burial. It's like a part of our lives that's stuck on repeat. End quote. Her mother, Deborah, told Dateline that she wishes her and Angela could have shared a better life together and that they regularly talked about having a bigger home and getting a dog. Quote, I wish she could see me now. Now I have a home and two dogs, end quote. Deborah is still holding on to the hope that one day Angela will be found and finally get the justice that she deserves. Angela Freeman was last seen in Petal, Mississippi on September 10, 1993, when she was 17 years old. She was also four months pregnant at this time. Angela is a Caucasian woman with brown hair and blue eyes. At the time of her disappearance, she was 5'3 and weighed around 108 pounds. Angela was last seen wearing a white t-shirt and jeans or shorts. She has a scar below her left knee and she goes by the nickname Angie. Her case is classified as endangered missing. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Angela Freeman, please contact the Petal Police Department at 601 544 Five three three one. That is all I have for this week's episode, but if any of my listeners have a loved one that disappeared and you would like their story shared in a future episode of this show, please reach out via email, crimdelacrimepodcast7 at gmail.com Head over, rate, and review the show, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Creme de la Crime Pod. As always, don't forget to keep your eyes and ears open out here. Until next week, 
This is Sam signing off. 